And we're, we're excited about what God is doing. We're in the second week of a message series. It's called Better. And last week we kicked this series off. We talked about the idea that so often on the front end of this year, the year we start with massive goals, all these amazing things that we want to accomplish in the new year. We want to have the perfect body, the perfect job, the perfect marriage, the perfect kids. And we get a few weeks into the new year and it's really not that perfect. So this series is about how do you make progress? How do you choose progress over perfection. And today I have a message for you. I'm very excited about the message. I want to talk about your habits and how your habits are essential for progress. Now, I started the year, I had a couple of habits that I wanted to work on. Uh, one of them was that I wanted to get back physically working out more consistently. And my goal is 21 days per month, which leads up to about 250 days Per year, and I'm on track with that. But my other one was I wanted to track what I eat because I found that if I track what I eat, I pay attention more to what I'm eating. And I wanted to do 15 days a month. Well, I'm about halfway through the month as I record this, and I've gotten like three days. So you can pray for me. And what I've discovered when it comes to habits, I tell you that because it's a whole lot easier to talk about changing your habits, to think about changing your habits, than to actually changing your habits. And today I want to step into some very important principles, and I want us to keep in mind some components of change that so often when we get really practical about what we want to change in our lives, it's very easy to forget how change actually works or how transformation happens. And the Apostle Paul said one time in Philippians chapter 2, I want us to see these verses, he's writing to the church in Philippi, and he says this, he says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good pleasure. And what Paul is saying is that the power to actually change comes from God. So God gives you internally desires for things to be different, but as he gives you those desires, he gives you the power but there's a power in the application of what he starts to do on the inside. So if God works in me, or God works in you, but I actually don't obey, if I don't apply what he puts in my heart, then I don't experience transformation. So obedience, and what we're going to talk about today, application, is not about earning salvation. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've placed your trust in him, the moment that you place your trust in him, you have salvation. You are free. You are free from the power of sin and death to control your life. But when you choose to follow Jesus, you're working not for salvation, you're working from salvation. And so we're going to talk about some hard work that we can do to experience transformation. But that hard work comes as God is working in us. And the goal of it, the goal of all of it, Galatians chapter 4 verse 19, Paul says this. He says, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So the goal of this whole series, the goal of the message today is that we would become more and more like Jesus. That Christ would be formed in us. But there are some very practical things that we can do to cooperate with God to become more and more, and more like Jesus. So this is a big idea. I want to encourage you to write this down. When it comes to the journey, so often we separate that which is spiritual from that which is practical. And it's important to recognize it's all spiritual. It's all spiritual. Your body is spiritual. Mental health is spiritual. Taking good care of relationships is spiritual. It's all spiritual, but it's not only spiritual. 
So when it comes to transformation, when it comes to habits and change, we wanna focus on behavior, but understand that that behavior is spiritual in nature and we're cooperating with God to experience the kind of chain that he want, change that he wants us to have. So what I wanna do is I wanna outline on the front end some thoughts that are very important around habits, how habits work, and then I wanna talk about how do you go about changing your habits. So the first big idea is this, that humans are creatures of habit. Now if you're joining us physically at one of our locations, if you're in Hong Kong, maybe you walk to church today, uh, perhaps for some of you in California, you drove to church, but you got here, and that's great that you're with us. But chances are, if you, you drove in a car to where you are right now, or you walked, there was a moment where you were walking or you were driving and you kind of forgot what you were doing. And part of it could be because you've taken this path before, like you walked that path before or you drove down that road before. And have you ever had this happen where you get somewhere, you've been driving and then all of a sudden it's like a familiar place, but you think, where was I this whole time? Like my mind, y'all with me at Lake Forest, like where was I? The whole time I'm driving, I'm not even thinking about what I'm doing, and then I get there. It's because you and I are creatures of habit. So on a day-to-day -day basis, there are so many things that we do, like brush our teeth, or at least hopefully we brush our teeth. And when we brush our teeth, we, we don't really think about brushing our teeth because we've done it so many times. It's a habit. And so your habits are baked into who you are, and they're impacting the way that you live. As Paul says in Romans chapter 7, he describes this internal struggle and how habits influence behavior. And he says this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Do you ever have this kind of internal conflict where you want to do something, but you end up not doing the thing that you want to do? or you don't want to do something, but you end up doing something that you said that you wouldn't do, so you're internally conflicted. And Paul is saying there's this war that's happening on the inside. So the good I want to do, I end up not doing. The, the bad I don't want to do, I end up do doing. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. For I know that the good itself does not dwell in me that's in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, I set goals, I have resolutions, I say I wanna be better, I wanna, I wanna be a better dad, I wanna, I wanna be more disciplined. I have a desire on the inside to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. So I, I try and I run out of energy. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who does it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Now what is he saying? He's saying that there is this war happening on the inside. It's between our desire to do what is right and there's this natural propensity in our habits that move us away from the ways of God. And it's possible, this is important, it's possible for heaven and hell to get into our habits. And we can find ourselves doing things that at the core, are, they're not of God. They're demonic, bitterness and anger and selfishness, all that from the inside it comes, but hell can get baked into our habits. The same is also true when it comes to heaven. Jesus said, pray. And when you pray, ask God that the kingdom of God would come on earth as it is in heaven. And where does it come? The human heart. So as God changes me on the inside, my habits, they morph either around the kingdom of God or the kingdom of hell. 
And I want to be mindful of that because I'm a creature of habit and so much of what I do, I don't even think that I'm do- about doing. It's like so many moments, you, you don't think about blinking. You, you don't think about even when you step sometimes your feet, you're not paying attention. We're creatures of habit. So we want to get mindful of those habits and recognize that habits either help or hinder our growth in any area of life. When I want to change, when you want something to be different, if you want to make progress, what happens is when we try to make progress, we find ourselves naturally bumping up against the habits that have already been established in our lives. And this is why sometimes, you know, when you think about working out, for example, you say, well, I want to, I want to get in better shape physically. I want to work out. I have found that if I put my workout clothes just outside my bedroom door so that I have to trip over them when I go out in the morning, I have found that I'm way more likely to work out if those clothes are right there. So I don't have to go into a drawer and decide what clothes I'm going to wear and how many dirty clothes and clean clothes I have and how the workout clothes I use smelled and do I put the smelly ones on. I don't have to go through all that because it's already there. So the habit helps or the habit hinders the very thing that I want to do. It's kind of like this. So last week I used this beloved stick here as an illustration and we're recycling message illustrations. So... You get it two weeks in a row. And so it's not because of budgetary issues. It's just I like to use it twice, just in case you're wondering. So last week I talked about progress being horizontal and perfection being vertical. Now this week I want you to think about uh, a seesaw. And some of you may remember when you were a kid or some of you who are kids or students, you like go and you sit on a seesaw and you go up and down, up and down. And parents, you sometimes sit on a seesaw and they go up. And you just sit there like this for a long time. And I learned some things. You can have a lot of fun with a kid with a seesaw. So if you sit towards the middle, you can seesaw back and forth, and that's cool. But if you go to one end and you kind of let it go up like that, and you pull down, you can throw the kid really high into the air. <laughs> True story. Multiple times I've done it. And what's working, there's, there are physics that are at play in that moment where the fulcrum, actually the fulcrum, you're getting leverage the further away from the center you are. Now habits are leverage for change. So you can work on a habit and that habit works on you. It's kind of like another, again, physical is so easy to understand. It, it mirrors the spiritual in many ways. That if you, in a bedroom or a room where you're eating food, if you, if you actually put good food in the room instead of like Doritos in the room, you, you, have, you don't have to work as hard to be disciplined because the thing that's in front of you is good. So your habits, you can construct mentally and work with God. You can use the brain. We can use the brain that God's given to us to, to create and craft habits that move us in the direction that God wants our lives to go. This leads to the third component, which is habit transformation leads to life transformation. So when I transform, you transform your habits. Those habits transform you. So they make it easier, and then they work on you. So over the period of time, it leads to more life transformation. Now, it's important because today I want to go spiritual. I don't want to just go practical, physical. I also want to go deeply spiritual around your relationship with God. And how all these components of your discipline, my discipline, are fueling our soul transformation. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 through 10, Paul says something really important. And I want to encourage you to turn in your notes to these few verses because they're going to shape how we think today. Paul says this. He says, do not waste time arguing 
over godless ideas or old wives' tales. He's saying, like, don't, don't give your energy to things that don't fuel progress in your faith. And maybe you don't spend a lot of time on old wives' tales, but we spend a lot of time on things that distract us from the mission that God has really given to our lives. And it's not that we don't want to have fun and enjoy ourselves, but there are conversations. You ever find this happening? There are conversations where hours go by and you're like, what did I just talk about? Or what did I just do? It's gone. So your time is your life. And you and I, Paul is saying to us, we're responsible for what we do with our time. And one of the things that we can do with our time is we can train ourselves. So we take responsibility for the training of our character. Paul says this, don't waste time. Instead, train yourself to be godly. So my growth is my responsibility. It's not your responsibility. It's not small group leader's responsibility or a host responsibility. My growth is my responsibility. And the more mature I am, the more I'll accept responsibility for my own spiritual growth. I'm so grateful when I was 12 years old I had a student pastor that taught me this. That you were, he, he would say, you are responsible. You can actually open the Bible and God can speak to you. You don't have to be a 40-year-old pastor for God to speak to you, thank God. You can be a kid and you can go before God and have him change your life. And your growth is your responsibility. So Paul says, train yourself to be godly. And then he says something else that's really important. He says, it's good to know physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Notice that word, better. It's much better. And he's giving this image of an athlete, the word literally means to go into a gymnasium, into training. So with your character, with your heart, you can go into training, Paul says, and that kind of training for your character is better than the physical training. It, is, it has more benefits, it's more long-lasting, it's more significant than physical training. Now, the illustration of training is important because the image that Paul is giving is that training is very different than trying. In fact, when you think about training versus trying, you get two different images in mind. When I think about trying with my character, or trying with my behavior, I can work. You ever have this happen where you're trying so hard to change something about you, but it just doesn't change? It's like, I just, I wanna be kinder. I wanna be more patient with my kids. I wanna be more selfless with others. And you try, and no matter how hard you try, it feels like you actually don't change. And Paul's saying there's a better way. And the better way is training, and the image is an athlete that goes into training so that they can do something later that they can't do now. This weekend, uh, my family is out of town, and so I figured it was a great opportunity to catch up on some Rocky. And you guys know the little beat, it goes dun da da dun da da dun da da dun dun da da 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 For our international audience, if you've never watched Rocky, it's awesome. But Rocky, so I watch Rocky Four, and Rocky goes into training, and when Rocky goes into training, he's going to fight Ivan Drago. And he's in the wilderness in Siberia, and he's lifting weights, and every time he's chopping wood, or he's flipping logs, or he's doing sit-ups in a cabin, he's training for something into the future, for a future goal. That's what Paul is saying. So you can live that way to train your character for transformation. 
And here's a trustworthy saying. He says this. He says, um, this promises benefits in this life, and it's a trustworthy saying that everybody should accept. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in a living God who is the Savior of all people, in particular, of all believers. So God is able to transform you, and there's a hope that when you engage in training the Spirit of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, is at work on the inside, changing you as you are working with him to live a different life. Now, I want to get really practical and use this image of training versus trying to help us understand how do we put habits in place that help our lives change. And the first one is this. We want to make a habit doable. And if I were to say to you what habits need to change in your life, The natural tendency of where your mind or my mind goes is that we start to think of all the things that we need to stop doing. You know, we need to stop being so busy. We need to stop being so procrastinating so much. There's a long list of things that we need to stop. But I would encourage you, transformation, change in your life happens when you start thinking about putting into play the right stuff in fact, let me say it like this. Some of you, you, there is a habit that you would love to change. There's a hurt that you would love to get over. And you've tried really hard to change that thing and stop it. But when you start doing something like going to celebrate recovery on a Friday night at one of our campuses, you're doing something that puts you in a place where you can experience transformation. So to think about what are the things that I can do, it's the application that makes all the difference, but it's putting it in a frame that is actually doable. It's something that I can do in this season of life. So I might want to be more patient, but what can I do today to help me tomorrow be more patient? So here's a line, do what you can today to help you do tomorrow what you can't do today. Let me read it one more time because it's a mind bender. Do what you can today to help you do tomorrow what you can't do today. So for example, one really practical thing for the longest time, I'll share more about this in a few moments. I, I had this big pack of scripture memory cards and I used to put them in my pocket and anytime I had a few moments where I had some downtime, I would put them there and then I'd just pull them out and read them. And then there's verses like Philippians chapter two when it talks about do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. I can't stop once I start going. He humbled himself and became obedient, obedient to death on a cross. And therefore God gave him the name that is above every name and exalted him to the highest place that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I got that verse in my mind. And I memorized it, and then I would be in a situation where it's like, okay, I really want to be selfish, but then there's this verse in my mind that says, do nothing out of vain, selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. So that memorization of that scripture on a different day, on the future day, helped me do the thing that I couldn't do in that moment on another day. 
So I want to make it doable. I want to make it something that I can do. This is why if you start reading the Bible, if you think, well, I've got to read an hour a day or pray an hour a day, and you look at somebody who seems way more spiritual than you are, you might be discouraged and never make progress because it wasn't doable. So you could start with a chapter a day or a few verses a day or five minutes a day, or you could pray on your way to work, but it's, if it's doable, it's easier to do. So I want to make a habit that gets reinforced because it's doable. Now, come back to this verse for just a moment. First Timothy 4, it says, Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in the life to come. So there is a future benefit when I do something today that I can do to be able to do something tomorrow, something that I can't do today. Second is to make it daily. To make it something that I do every day or I'm focused on every day. Stacy, my wife, she ran an ultra marathon and I've, I've talked about it in messages, but she made this huge like four month calendar and every day there was some kind of training component. And I'm the kind of person that would make that type of calendar and see it as a suggestion. I'm like, thank you. Thank you, Google, for that suggestion. I'll do it my way. And so I'd get through, and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, it says three. I'll do two. It says rest here. I'll rest tomorrow. But she was, like, on it. I mean, every day. She'd every, everything that was suggested. And, and there were days when she didn't run, but it was rest. It was intentional rest. It was a daily decision for a long-term goal. So what happens is if we ever get to the place where daily self-discipline doesn't matter, without self-discipline, the natural tendency is to start to drift. And it's, it's just one day. It's just one relationship. It's just one thought. It's just one thing. And we meander through life. So when today doesn't matter, I will meander throughout life, not moving intentionally towards a goal. So every day, an athlete wakes up in training. I see Jason Williams over here and Karsten Williams, who is eventually going to be the state champion when it comes to cross country, uh, his senior year, of, or maybe junior year of high school. But Karsten, who's a, a race a runner, every day, even when he's on a vacation, he has to think about, what do I eat? How do I rest? Can I play flag football? What if I get hurt? Because it's, it's an athlete that's in training. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you're working with God to see your character changed, every day matters. The choices I make every single day. So I want to put in place habits that are doable, but they're daily. So I can focus on it today. And you can take so many different disciplines and focus on how do I do it today. Now, I love to break it down daily, weekly. You might want to write this down. Daily, weekly monthly, quarterly, and annually. So there are certain habits that you're working on every day, certain habits once a month or weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually, but it's a consistency. So it's the commitment plus the consistency that is leading to that transformation. So it's daily, it's doable, and then the third one is that it's deliberate. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 talks about this deliberately working towards a harvest. He said, so let's not get tired, Paul's speaking, of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. So Paul gives the image of a farmer. And when a farmer goes out to his farm, 
Throughout the course of the year, there are all different things that are happening. He's starting, or she, is starting with the soil, and they're tilling the soil, getting that soil ready for a seed. And then as the soil's ready, the seed goes into the soil. And then water comes, and sunshine comes, and then there's this period of time where that farmer is watching to see if weeds are coming, or maybe they're, they're uh, insects that are eating the, the harvest, and they're paying attention, and eventually, after a period, of, they're, they're getting a harvest. And the image that Paul is saying so often when it comes to a harvest, when it comes to reaping fruit from our choices, especially with the discipline, with some kind of engagement and training, we naturally will walk away from it, and we're not as deliberate as we should be. So we stop short of the goal that God has for us. And he says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, uh, everyone, especially those in the faith. So don't give up when you are doing good. Keep persevering. Be deliberate. There's a quote. I want you to see this quote. This is a famous quote. You may have heard it. So a thought, and you reap an action. So an act, and you reap a habit. So a habit, and you reap a character. So a character, and you reap a destiny. And we're not sure who the author of that quote is, whether it's Ralph Waldo Emerson or Richard Dwayne Warren. It's one of the two, so you can choose which of the two. I'm not sure if anybody is with me today. Y'all tracking with me? I thought that was really funny, um, because we don't know. Is it one of the two? You could look online. It's Pastor Rick Warren or Emerson. But the point is, there's a process that we go through of transformation. And sometimes we stop short. And I think about this in particular with parenting. Like when I started parenting, I thought parenting would be easy. I thought it'd be fast. I'm 16 years in. It's pretty close to, uh, it's more than a third of my life, a little bit less than half of my life. And one of my mentors said to me recently, he said, Andy, make it your finish line in parenting for your kids to get to 30 years old. So that means if my daughter's nine, that's 21 more years of parenting. I'm like not even halfway into the journey of parenting. And it just keeps going and going and going. And the natural tendency as a parent is like you've been at it for a long time. It's like a couple of years seems long, but now it's decades. And it's easy to check out. And so I've had to say, okay, this season of my life, how do I stay in the game with my habits with parenting? To be deliberate around the most important area of my, one of the most important areas of my life, my relationships with my kids. So for example, my daughter, she's nine years old, and she still loves for me to tell her bedtime stories. So every week, I have it my goal, at least a few times a week, I'm gonna be in her bed praying for her, telling her stories before she goes to sleep. My boys, they're 16 and 14, and it's such a pivotal season of life, and you never grow too old for a hug from your dad. And so I make it my point, a point every day just to wrap my arms around them once a day. They might not want the hug or act like they want the hug, but they need the hug deep on the inside. And so once a day, I'm like, I'm gonna find them. No matter how hard they resist it, I'm gonna give them a big hug and say, I love you. And it's just those, those consistent actions over time that lead to fruit. So what is that deliberate thing that you can do? And as you're deliberate with it, the tendency is to stop short of what's important before we reap a harvest. Paul's saying, do not give up, stay deliberate, and then fourth, make it dynamic. So we make it deliberate, but we also make it dynamic. And the way to think of dynamic is to think of dynamic as being juxtaposed or opposite 
of something that's static, that doesn't change. So when it comes to habits, sometimes we can put a habit in place. And especially when it comes to spiritual disciplines, sometimes people start to think that spiritual disciplines are rules. And those rules, they rule our life. And those rules can easily get between us and God and the relationship that God wants us to have. Like, we can look at spiritual disciplines like a box that we check. And if I check the box, I'm good with God. Did you know, I may get in trouble for saying this, but did you know there's nowhere in the Bible that it says read the Bible every single day? Now that's a little bit confusing because you probably have heard, read your Bible every day. And it's good to read your Bible every day. Read the Bible every day. It says meditate on the word of God. And there, there's a discipline that we can do to read the Bible every day. And I found reading the Bible every day changes my life. But I don't read the Bible every day because I have to read the Bible every day. I read the Bible every day because I want to see God and know God and have him change my heart, change my life. So these disciplines or habits are tools, not rules. It's important to write down. They're tools, not rules. So they're tools that you can use, I can use, to experience transformation. And there's a dynamic nature to it that flows out of relationship with God. Romans 8.15 says this. It says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, now we call him Abba Father. So the way that God works with you when it comes to your training or my training, God works with us as a loving father. And God will train us like a father trains a child. He'll correct us from time to time. He'll give us habits that reinforce the character that he wants. And he'll put his finger on those habits for a season so that we can change. I'll give you a couple examples from my own life. There was a period in my 30s where as I was leading and my family was growing, I realized the thing I needed more than anything else was God's wisdom for my life. And so I took the book of Proverbs, and every day I would read through the book of Proverbs one chapter. And I would ask God for one verse from Proverbs, and I'd write it on a card, and I'd hold that card with me, and I'd let that card infiltrate how I thought about life and ministry and family. And I did it for about five years, and I watched God use that to help me grow in wisdom. So I got a really long way to go, but it helped me grow in wisdom tremendously. And then after about five years, I went back to do that same thing again, and there was just like a power that was missing from it. And it was that God had moved on, and there was another thing that God wanted to do. There was another lesson that God wanted to teach. So it's a dynamic relationship that flows out of you being a son or daughter of God, that when you put your trust in Jesus, your identity shifts on the inside and God leads or guides your life dynamically through the power of the Holy Spirit. Second Timothy chapter one verse seven says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So God wants you, God wants me, to see myself as his child. And when I see myself that way, my spiritual habits, my spiritual disciplines flow out of that identity. And it's important because your identity is influencing your behavior. One way to say it, for those of you who are English teachers, you're going to hate me, but the way you see yourself is the way you be yourself. Like the way that you see who you are is the way that you behave. So God's word is so full of identity moments that talk about who we are 
that you were not given, if you're a follower of Jesus, you were not given a spirit of fear internally. You were giving, given a spirit, the Holy Spirit of love, power. That word in the original language means dynamite. Power and self-discipline. So that infused into how you see yourself changes the way that you live. I read a book called Atomic Habits. And the author in the book, he talked about this idea where they took a group of people that were trying to quit smoking. And I didn't realize, actually, last week when I talked about smoking, that Pastor Rick always used the joke about smoking won't send you to hell. It'll make you smell like you're already there. And I said it, and I didn't realize that was Pastor Rick's joke. And I think, actually, I must have heard it from him like 20 years ago and forgotten it. But it's a great joke. But that's, I'm not telling that joke again. But the point is, the, the author of the book, he says that they studied about 100 people who were trying to quit smoking. And 50 of them, they told them when somebody came and offered them a cigarette when they're trying to quit, just to say, I'm trying to quit smoking. And then the other group, they said, okay, we want you, when somebody comes to you, to say, I'm not a smoker. You notice the difference between the two? So one is what I'm trying to do, and the other is what is infused with identity. And what they noticed was the, the ones that were infused with the right identity, their transformation or their habit sustained itself. So this is important. The dynamic nature of you being a son or daughter of God that when you and I get in, in the flow of God's power for our lives and he's giving us things that he wants to change, there's a power in that area. It's dynamic. Now, the fifth and final one is the most important, and that's to make it divinely focused. To make it ultimately focused on God. The five eternal purposes of God from discipleship, evangelism, fellowship, ministry, and worship. All five of God's eternal purposes that he has for your life, there are habits that can reinforce those five purposes. So when it comes to worship, your physical presence in a worship gathering, or you joining online once a week, is a reinforcement of something that God deeply cares about as an eternal purpose. When you say, I'm going to open the Bible and read the Bible, it's a habit that is reinforcing your desire to grow as a disciple or a follower of Jesus. When you get connected into a small group, it's a reinforcement, it's a habit that God gives to us to help the fellowship aspect of God's purposes come to fruition. When you join on a ministry team and you start serving and using your gifts, it's an application, a habit, that helps reinforce God's purpose for ministry. When you share your faith with somebody, and you bring somebody to church, or you share what God's done in your life at work, it's a reinforcement, habitually, of that mission that God has for people all over the world to know his name. The habit I want to encourage you to think about is what is the one that God has put his finger on to say, I want to, I want to lead you in that direction, to start this year giving your focus and energy to this thing that can change your life. It could be reading the Bible daily. It could be praying. It could be memorizing scripture. It could be reinforcing giving and generosity in your life by putting in first with your tithe. It could be saying, I'm gonna invest in the most important relationships. I'm gonna start dating my wife again. I'm gonna start investing in my kids regularly. But there's something that God has for you today. And when it's focused on him, we're hearing from him, 
we're obeying him, there's a reward for it. And Paul says this. I want to finish with this verse. He says, this is why we work so hard. This is why we struggle and continue to struggle. See, today's struggle is tomorrow's strength. So he says, I'm going to continue to struggle in my relationship with God to work through this process of transformation for my hope is in the living God who's the savior of all people and particular of all believers. So I'm entering into a process like an athlete to be trained in my character so that I can become the person that God wants me to become knowing my hope is that in the struggle on the other side of the struggle there's a different me that God is forming and shaping but it requires me to remain in the struggle. And I wanna invite you today, at all of our campuses as you're listening to my voice, I wanna invite you today to make a decision to remain in the struggle. And there's such a massive difference between duty and discipline. See, an athlete disciplines themselves because they want a prize, because they deeply, at the core of who they are, they wanna win a race or win a match. But so often when it comes to our faith, it's so sad to me when you look at people from different religions all over the world and there's such a discipline, but sometimes as followers of Jesus, sometimes we can take the grace of God for granted and we can say, well, I believe in Jesus, I'm saved, and yes, if you believe in Jesus, you are. But the question of how bad do you really want what God wants for your life this year? That God wants to do great things both in you and through you. And the more you want something, the more you're willing to sacrifice for it. I remember when I proposed to Stacy, I emptied out my bank account to buy her a ring. And it was worth every penny of it. The sacrifice was because of love and because of relationship. So the journey of following Jesus and disciplining ourselves for godliness and training ourselves to become who God wants us to be is because of love. It's because the best gift that we can give back to God is not something we do, but it's who we become. And God is forming you. He's shaping you. And he's inviting you into a journey where 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you don't even recognize yourself because you're more and more and more like Jesus. You're more and more the person that he's created you to be. And it requires you, it requires me to say yes, I'll remain in the struggle and I will focus my life on the habits that will help me follow you better, help me become the person that you've created me to be. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for the confidence that we have, that you're the one that works in us, that as we struggle, and we pour out our lives and we, we do things to reinforce habits that matter. You're at work within us. So thank you, Jesus, that you said the Spirit of God would be poured out on your church. And so we're not left to this journey of transformation on our own power, but it's with your help that we change. And thank you that as we get in proximity to your power and we say, God, you have every aspect of our life and we surrender and we train ourselves when we get prox in proximity you change us from the inside out. And so help us have the wisdom as we process through a message like this, not to drift towards duty or religion or something that we have to do, but to train ourselves because of vision and because of desire to know you more and to make you known. God bless our efforts 
to train ourselves to become the people that you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.